And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with Neil Donald Walsh and your phone calls this hour as well. Neil, you talk a little bit about manifestation. Tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I think that we all have the ability to manifest certain aspects of life. I'm, I'm really uh, very careful when I talk about this because I don't want people to think you can, you know, manifest uh, s- s- things that are so specific, like the exact dollar amount you're going to earn next year or so forth. But I do think that that our thought. I think that I agree with Einstein. By the way, Einstein said that everything is energy. There's nothing else but energy. He, and he was very clear about that. Now, if it, since that's true, that everything in the world, in the universe, is energy, then our thoughts are energetic. That is true as well. And so we are really sending energy into energy at the time that we are thinking about something, especially if it's something that we're thinking uh, continually, powerfully, and emotionally. If we continue to think that way, whether it's a negative or a positive thought, it's highly likely that we could experience the outcome of those thoughts in our life. For instance, just to, just to give you an example, again, I'm not bragging about this. This is just what happened. Sure. I, I began to think about, you know, when the when the the book Conversations with God first came out, I began to visualize my post office box, and I had put the post office box number in the back of the book. I thought, you know, I don't know how many it's going to sell, but. Well, and I, I visualized my post office box overflowing that I would open in my in my visualization. I would open the P.O. box door and the mail would fall out of the door. <laughs> and it did. You know? and Absolutely. It did. Just exactly that way. So uh, and, there, and that's one of many things that I have visualized or thought about that have occurred actually in specific form in my life. So I really believe in the power of manifestation. I believe in the power of thought. And I'm not the only person, of course. There have been writers all over the world talking about the power of positive thinking and how we can use our thoughts to create certain realities in our life. So I think it's important for us to know. And why that's important, George, is this. It's important because people who don't know that or do know it but don't take advantage of it can unconsciously create outcomes in their life when they continually think, you know, negative thoughts like, oh, I'll never, that, that never works for me. I always lose. I, I, you know, there's no point in my playing the game because I never win. So, yeah, I'm, I'm using a lighthearted example, but I know a guy who, who refuses to play poker with us. We enjoy having a nice little friendly game of poker once a month or so. Sure. Among, and you know, he says, nah, I, I never win. I never win. Well, <laughs> he, course, that's because he, he pulls the cloud over his head, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When he does play, he does, he, he does, in fact, never win. So, in fact, I think I think we need to be aware of the fact that what we think with emotion or repetition will often manifest in our life. There's, there is no question in my mind that the power of the people's ability to manifest, to think, to make things happen are real if they tap into it. And they've just got to ask, you know, you know, the poem Footprints in the Sand, one of the great poems of all times, I think. It's really emotional right at the end when the person doubted God was there with him until the end when he realized he was on God's shoulders. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. I, I do. I don't remember the exact wording of the poem, but I do remember the poem itself. And when you recount, as you just did, uh, how it goes at the end, yes, I, I remember that. Yeah, no wonder. I, no wonder. No footprints. I was. I was. God was carrying me. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, th that's that was one of the most emotional poems I read years ago. When when I saw that last phrase, I mean, because it it. It told you everything you needed to know. And so, more. And more. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Dr. Ed and to Hatchapi, California to start. Hey, Ed, go ahead. Well, good to talk with you again, George and Neil. Um, to, you, you, you two made me laugh earlier. Um, I'm Catholic, too, by background. In fact, one of my cousins is a cardinal is in should be in Rome right now. He used to be in D.C. and uh, he's disappeared. And there's a lot going on in Rome right now that makes me wonder why he's disappeared. But oh boy! I was I was laughing because I remember I was in seventh grade, and that's when the Second Vatican Council had had occurred. And now we were tossing the poor lady off the organ bench and replacing her with guitars and. The mass went from Latin into English, and and I remember one day being taught by the nuns. I went to Catholic high school and grade school. Um, all of a sudden, we could eat meat on Friday, <laughs> and, and I thought all of a sudden I just stopped in my tracks. And I I have two two points to make. This is the first one, and all of a sudden I stopped in my tracks, and I thought, now wait a minute. There's some god sitting up on a cloud somewhere looking down at this little, pretty little blue planet and saying, all of a sudden, you can eat meat on Friday? And what happened to all those people who went to hell for eating meat on yeah, Friday? Yeah, they... and, I, and the, the nuns really didn't like my point of view, but uh, that was one thing. Now, the second point I wanted to make was I work with a number of higher dimensional beings over the years, and I... Uh, Neil, I have to commiserate with trying to explain the simplicity of language, the power of the sim simple way uh, that these beings, God and those who work with him, the, I have always found that, gee, I wish I could write that well. <laughs> exactly, yes. The yes, language yes. Is, so, is so perfect but simple. Um, it's like your comment earlier. What was your comment about, you know, when when asked, uh, is there a message from God? Five words. You've got me all wrong. Yeah. I mean, what, what does that say? And I have found the same thing, and I find it one of the simplest ways to uh, differentiate uh, if you don't feel it. I mean, if somebody else is shoving something under my knows to look at, um, the first thing I notice is, is it breathtakingly simple in form and in concept and in what it's conveying, or, or is it a bunch of gobbledygook? So I, I kind of I was sympathetic as you were explaining that to George, what it was like when George said, uh, you know, how do you know you were talking to God? Well, <laughs> you know. Yes. Thank you, Ed. Go ahead, Neil. It's a feeling, it's an awareness, it's an experience, it's a total experience. It's like saying, how do you know your wife loves you? Or how do you know you're in love? It's like, it's very, very similar to that. How do you, 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 you tell your friends, oh, I just met someone, I'm, I'm in love, I'm in love. How do you know you're in love? 
Now, how do you explain to somebody else how you know you're in love? Well, I just feel, feels that. It's just a feeling. I just, I just know. I just know. This is the person for me. I just know. But how do you know that you know? Well, you know, go ahead and try to explain that. Words are the least reliable form of communication unless those words are coming directly from source of wisdom and clarity in the universe, then they can be very simple to understand. But try to explain to someone something like love. So when I when I try to explain to people what it feels like to be have a conversation with God, I talk about, have you ever been in love? That's what it feels like. Absolutely. Let's go to Michael in Elgin, Arizona. Welcome to the show. Hey, Michael. Hello, George. How are you doing this evening, Mr. Norrie? Okay, my friend. To talk to you, Mr. Neal. Thank you. Um, I was going to ask you, gentlemen, like I say, what question is, uh, what, what do you all think the first stumbling, big stumbling block in the good book is? It? What do you kind of think that is, is it, you know, each one of you gentlemen? You mean the Bible? Yes, yes, sir, exactly, the good book, the Bible. Yeah, right. Exactly. What do you everybody think the first big stumbling block in the Bible is for everybody? That's a good question. Neil, is there a stumbling block in the Bible? I'm not sure. Well, I, I don't know how to, how to respond to a question like, is there a stumbling block in the Bible? I, th- I think there are some challenges in the Bible. I, maybe he means the same thing. The challenges for me in the Bible, if, if, first of all, is that it's incomplete. I, I think that there's more to the story than we find in the Bible. And I think that parts of what's part part of what is in the Bible is misunderstood or misinterpreted or has been by those who initially wrote the Bible. And we all know, of course, uh, that the Bible was rewritten after the Council of Nicene. Many things were taken out of the Holy Scripture. Many things were added, and so so on and so forth. So yeah, there is a stumbling block in the Bible, and I guess the stumbling block, Michael, is that it was written by human beings with a point of view that they wanted to make sure that they got across in the writing. So they put their point of view in the Bible, whether in fact that point of view was originally expressed by the main characters in the Bible or not. And a good example is, Michael, what I talked about just a while ago, uh, the Ten Commandments. You know, there's a whole lot about the Ten Commandments um, in our religious teaching. But Moses I'm told, did not go down to the bottom of the hill, you know, and tell people, here are the commandments God wants you to keep. But he said, no, no, these are the Ten Commitments. And you know what, Michael, I got a, I got a letter, a wonderful letter about 15 or 18 years ago from um, a minister on the east coast of the United States. He said, you know, Mr. Walsh, I don't agree with a lot of what you say. Your theology does not match my own, but I will give you credit for one thing. You started a conversation about God in this church, the likes of which we haven't had in a very long time. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) When you had your conversations with God, Neil, you've heard of automatic writing where people channel the spirits and they come through. Was it like that or separate? No, it wasn't like that at all because... Uh, you know, channeling, as we traditionally understand it, is when some other entity 
takes over, you know, who we are. Our own mind kind of closes down or shuts off, if you will, goes to sleep, however you want to describe it, and it's taken over by some other entity. Uh, that's my understanding of the, the popular um, understanding, the popular thought about channeling. Um, so, no, I don't. I don't think that there's anything like that going on here. Uh, I, I never had that feeling of being taken over by or embodied by or any of that. It, really, frankly, it was like taking dictation. My experience was simply that I was hearing in my mind the answers to the questions that I was asking, and I, I simply took dictation. I scribbled furiously to make sure I didn't miss anything, but I was simply writing down what I was hearing. We're taking calls with Neil Donald Walsh. Let's go to Sherry in Fredericksburg, Texas, east of the Rockies. Hello, Sherry. Good morning. Hi. Thank you, George. Thank you. Neil, I I really do believe that we have to go all the way down, get all the way down before we can rise up, you know, and that's how it's been for me. Um, I have just a thought here, and then I have a question, but um, I like to write inspirational verse. And through the years when, when I felt really emotionally stuck, I turned to an exercise that I read about uh, called Morning Pages, where it does start off like a bunch of gobbledygook and just writing whatever comes into your mind. And um, for anyone who wants to jumpstart their creativity, it's amazing what it does. These mental ramblings became conversations with my guide and the source of my poems. Now, uh, everything I've written, I've been looking back, it's, it's just it's amazing how they can turn into something inspirational. Now, the question is this. As the year closed and 2000 was over and 2001 was upon us, my handwriting changed, slowly changed from a slightly backward slant to a forward slant. Um, and, and someone said, now here's the scary part you're just talking about here, th- that I had a walk-in. I don't what what's a walk in, you know. Um, well, a, a walk a walk in, Sherry, is when somebody, an entity, takes over your body. So maybe that happened to you. Yeah, but it was a good entity. You're lucky. I mean, yeah, I guess I am. Well, I was opening up um, with all this writing. Uh, if it, it it was like I was always talking to my guide, um, and and and. And I would, it would morph into a poem, uh, the answers that I got from them. I mean, I could, it, it starts off where you're just writing um, anything that comes into your mind, just to get the, the juices flowing. Have you, have you heard of Morning Pages? I have not. How about you, Neil? No, I've not heard of Morning Pages, but I do understand how that process could work. And I, I knew a man who would describe his process very similar to that. Uh, I'm talking about uh, John Denver, who, with whom I had a, a, a friendship. And um, you know, when he wrote Annie's song, sitting on sitting on a on a ski on a ski lift, and he wrote the whole thing on a ski lift. He just started writing a couple of sentences, not knowing where it was going, and just let it let the song take him where it was going. And he's not the first person who has written poems, lyrics, and stories uh, using that process. Just start and let it go where it's going to go. Let's go to Blair in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Blair, welcome. Hey, George. Hey, uh, Neil. Um, 
Humor is a divine antidote to the exaltation of ego. I always like that phrase. And God provides, humanity divides. I like that one, too. And I'm wondering about human stumbling blocks that you mentioned earlier, like dogmas and blasphemies. Do you sometimes think that there's a danger of some who may form a religion from your work? Yes. Yes, I, I have worried about that. And several people have actually come to me and offered to do that. I mean, they've actually sat down with me or at least at least you know, sent me emails and communications of some sort saying that exact thing. We want to start a, a, a religion, a faith tradition, based on the nine dialogue books. And I have said to them, no, we're not doing that. We're not going there. And if you do that, not only will I have nothing to do with it, I will actually disavow it. I will actually publicly disavow it. The last thing we need on this planet is another religion. That's so, true. Why would they want to create another religion based on your your writings? Yeah, well, well, because they felt that it was, you know, had, had contained a lot of spiritual truths, that it clarified a lot of the doctrines that have been established by some of the world's presently established religions, and they wanted a counterpoint. But, you know, I told them, no, it's, it's not happening. We're not going to go there. We're not doing that. There was a point you thought you were communicating with the devil, right? I was, I don't, I don't know that I thought that. I think, I think that my feeling was I was worried that I'm, what if I am? What, oh my God, what if I'm, what if Be, I'm being tricked? With the devil? Yeah. 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 But I, I didn't really think that I was, but I did, I did have some worries about it. But, you know, that, that really, honestly, that went on for about 45 minutes, I mean, in, in the entire episode. The, the, I've got very, very clear about an hour and a half or two hours into the beginning of the experience that, no, this is not anything that's impacted by any any evil energy or negative energy of any kind. So I dropped that idea and I let myself move forward with the experience. All right, Neil, we're going to come back and take final calls with you in just a moment here on Coast to Coast AM. Neil Donald Walsh with us, Conversations with God. Websites are all linked up at coasttocoastam.com. We will be back in a moment. And welcome back. Neil Donald Walsh with us. George Norrie here with you. Neil, do you go on money events or anything like that anymore? No, we've, uh, I'll be 80 years old in a few months, and so we've kind of cut back be- the combination of my age plus, you know, what's been going on in the world the past two and a half, three years. So, I mean, I, one, or, one or two a year, you know, I used to go out for months at a time. We had like two and three month tours, uh, but that's not happening anymore. And right now we're doing a lot of uh, virtual events. We do a lot of video online events, thanks to what's happening these days um, with various platforms that allow you to do those kinds of events. And so we do many of them, you know, sometimes two and three a month, online events for other countries in in Russia and Romania and Bulgaria, as well, of course, as the United States. So we do many events that way, uh, and it's really worked out quite well for us. Neil, what do you think of prayer? I think it's a powerful device. I think we have to... uh, However, be clear about how we want to use it. I think prayers of supplication are are not as powerful as prayers of appreciation. So it's when we uh, use a prayer of gratitude, even gratitude in advance 
of some outcome that we wish to experience is more powerful than a prayer of supplication because uh, um, God only says yes. So if we are, you know, uh, that's one of the statements that I like to make to people. God has only one word in her vocabulary. God simply says yes to whatever we're thinking, saying, or doing. So if we have a prayer of supplication, we are as much as saying, I do not now have this, and I wish that I could have this. I wish that I could have this particular event, circumstance, or outcome. And God says, yes, that's true. You do wish that. Back to but the phones. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Neil. I was just going to one sentence. I was just going to say, but if I say, uh, thank you, God for allowing me to notice that this problem has already been solved for me, or thank you, God, for bringing to me what it is uh, that I'm choosing to experience. It's a whole different vibration. It sure is. Let's go west of the Rockies now. Catherine's with us in British Columbia, Canada. Hi, Catherine. Hi, George. Hi, Neil. I, I, I have a very unique relationship with God like you do ever since I was a child, because I was locked away in my room most of my childhood alone, and I would talk to God, and I got to know His voice, and through my teenage years, it had gotten stronger, and through so many miraculous things He had saved me from, uh, I ran the streets. It was just crazy stuff that I had done as a teen. Um, in my adult years, I'm an artist, and I get a lot of my lyrics just boom on the paper just um but i have a question because to me i just took the bible read the bible and i just asked god to give me wisdom what it means and i got rid of all man's traditions and my question to you is in the Bible, it says the gifts of the Spirit, like different giftings. Do you believe in that? Like, is it, like, to you, would you say it's word of knowledge when God gives you, like, revelation knowledge of stuff? I think so. That that feels like a fair description. I think there are what we would call gifts of the Spirit. Yes, my answer, I hate to give you a short answer, but my answer is yes. I think that that's probably part of what's going on. Neil, of the many, many letters I'm sure you received since Conversations with God came out 30 years ago, is there that one letter that you will never forget? Yes, in fact, uh, interesting question. I did get a letter maybe 20 years ago uh, from um, a lady. Actually, a lady, it turned out to be a lady in Oregon. But she wrote me and said, uh, thank you or introducing me to a God I can fall in love with. And, and that just captured yeah. for me exactly what I, uh, was going on in my life and what I hoped that sharing this with others would produce in uh, the uh, lives of others as well. So, yes, that was a, a letter that I never forgot, and I still have it. I still have it in a safe place. Was there a moment in your life where you simply broke down and cried and lost it? Yeah, when I had my triple whammy was one of those moments for sure, uh, and and other moments as well. When um, th- things, you know, I don't need to get into description of events, but yes, there, there, I've had probably two or three of those moments. And you know, you described it perfectly, George. I literally did 
fall to my knees, actually, uh, and break. When my car was stolen, as an example, it was a whole string of events and uh, going on in my life. Another one of those occurrences where one thing after the other was happening. But anyway, I went outside to just go somewhere, go to work or whatever, and I realized my car wasn't there. And I thought, wait, did, did I forget where I parked it? Could I have parked it somewhere else? And, and then I realized after walking around a couple of blocks, oh, no, the car has been stolen. So, you know, I called the police, of course, and they came over. And But they told me, you know, this car has been parted out by now. People, professional thieves, will take your car off the street. And within two hours, they've got it parted out and they've sold all the parts to, you know, various places. Jeez. So, yeah, and I broke down that day. I remember coming back to my apartment and literally falling to the floor saying, okay, all right, I mean, whatever. And, yes, I did. I cried, and I and I thought, you know, what does it take? I don't understand. So, yes, I've had – most of us have had moments like that in our lives. And I'm no different from anybody else. Joe in the Bronx. Take it away, Joseph. Hey, George. How are you? Good, Joe. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah, Neil, um, you know, I've had visions of the Virgin Mary mostly, but also of Jesus. And um, I've had a conversation with God where uh, he appeared to me. Michael the Archangel has appeared to me. Now, I want to know what you think of visions, especially these visions, and what do you think of the power and ability of the Virgin Mary? I haven't looked, let me go to your second question first. I haven't really looked at that, so I don't have a thought about it one way or the other. Um, with regard to visions, yeah, I, I'm totally clear that people have had those experiences. You're not the only one. And many people would say that they've had visions, not only of uh, you know, messengers and what we would call sacred or holy people, but visions of of loved ones who have departed and then suddenly show up on the end of your bed, sitting on the end of your bed and talking to you. So, yes, I do think that those kinds of visions are very possible and that they're occurring all the time. I don't think, however, that I have an opinion about the Virgin Mary because, frankly, it's not a question that I asked about. And my conversations with God were not uh, intended to answer every theological a question that one could ask. They were questions that I had a personal interest in or inquiry that I wanted to make, and that was not one of the, one of the inquiries that I made. Interesting question, though. Interesting question. Jeremy's with us in Jamestown, North Dakota. Hi, Jeremy. How you doing? Hello, George. I want to tell Neil that 19 years, four months, and three days ago, I was in a nearly fatal auto accident. Immediately, I was in a coma for two and a half months. Whoa. I was in my coma, I was walking or I was in, under the impression I was walking up a mountain pathway with my wife, now ex-wife at the time. And as we were nearing the top, a bunch of boulders started falling down the mountain at us. I escorted her into a crevice on the side of mountain, and a big boulder hit me in the head and knocked me off the cliff. And as I was falling to the ground, I heard a voice from the sky that said, Jeremy, your tasks are not done yet. And 
just as I thought I was hitting the ground, I woke up in the hospital bed, castor oil. Is there that part for us, Neil, that God has always set aside for us, tasks, missions that we need to complete? I, I, I don't think that God gives us missions, but I do think that we give ourselves missions by, by, the, by being inspired by what we're encountering in our life and our interactions with what I call God. I don't think that God's up there creating missions for individual people. I could be wrong about that. I'm, I'm willing to be wrong, but my understanding is that God does not have a notebook in which she writes all the missions that all the people, you know, 8 billion people each has their own mission, or several people have a, a particular mission. But boy, that experience that Jeremy is just describing. Oh, horrible. Wow. I mean, wow. So I don't, I don't, but I don't think that, and I, you know, I want to be clear about that mission thing because I'm not on a mission. I don't want anyone to think after hearing this program, oh, Neil thinks that God gave him a mission to, you know, get out there and, I don't know, change the world or impact people's lives. No, I don't see myself as a person on a mission. I see myself as a person with a message, but a message and a mission in my world are two entirely different things. What about people who do not have hope, Neil? What would you say to them? Have hope. Don't don't not have hope. Let yourself have hope. Because if you because hope is simply a state of mind, and not having hope is just a, another state of mind. Since we can choose our thoughts, you know, we don't have a, a, a lot of choice about many things in life, or at least we think we don't. But one thing we do have a, a total choice over is our thoughts. Nobody can take that choice away from me. I can think anything I wish to think, and I can cause myself and choose to feel anything that I wish to feel. So if, if, if hopelessness or having no hope is something that I uh, am experiencing, I can decide not to experience that. I can just say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to release the idea that there is no hope at all because, of course, God only says yes. And if I'm saying fervently and continuously and powerfully, I don't have any hope. There's no hope left. I don't have, there's no hope for the world. There's no hope for me. I have no hope. God says, yes, that's true. Yes, that's true. Yes. So I've, I've really taken it into me as a personal message. God only says yes. So I'm very careful about what I think with power and repetition. Let's go to St. Louis. Norm's with us. Hey, Norm, go ahead. Hey, George. Uh, great show tonight. Thank um, you, sir. Just a quick comment for George first off, and then I'll get to the guest. But uh, you were asking why if you'd be happy if you knew how God got here in the beginning. But when it comes to questions like that, I think it's kind of like God would say, uh, that's why I'm God and you're a uh, a director on uh, the radio or whatever. <laughs> I think some things he wants to leave uh, uh, a mystery, I guess that's what I'm saying. Might be but right. uh, as far as uh, the faith issue goes, uh, yeah, the Bible's all full of uh, blessings and whatnot. But it says, like, uh, you know, blesses he you, who trusts in the Lord. Then it's, uh, you know, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You have to believe in God for him to bless you, I guess. And yeah, I've had way too many experiences with the Lord in my life to 
you know, I could never, never question, you know, the existence of God. And, you know, I'm a contractor and I can't tell you the number of times I've had wealthy clients that called me out of the blue when I was scratching my head, wondering where my next dollar is coming from and get a call like a couple winters ago from uh, this millionaire client of mine. And she said, can you come out and take out some trash? It was like a one inch of snow. Me and my son went out there. She gave us fifty dollars each to take out like six boxes of trash, and uh, and then she gave us three bags of food that lasted probably a month and a half. So, yeah, there, there's re- God rewards those who uh, believe in Him and you know follow Him and whatnot. And uh, you look at these mass shootings lately. The ones up in Louisville today, and I lived there three years, and it's like how sad. But you never hear where these mass shooters were at church or reading their Bible. No, that's for sure. That's for sure. Neil, your thoughts on that? I don't think, uh, with respect, Norm, I don't think that God rewards only those who believe in him or follow his path or uh, respond to him in a positive way. I, I don't think that we live in a reward and punishment universe. So I'm going to respectfully suggest that God rewards if you want to use the word rewards, or blesses is the word I like to use. God blesses everyone, whether you're believing in God or not believing in God, whether you're following certain mandates that you think are given to us by God or not. God blesses everyone in the universe. And whether we experience those blessings or not has to do with how we hold the events of life and how we use the power that God has vested in each of us, as George was talking about earlier, to manifest the realities that we choose. Neil, once again, I want to thank you for being on the program. Stay healthy, my friend. The world needs you. I've enjoyed it a lot, George. Thank you for having me here. You take care of yourself. Neil Donald Walsh, his website, of course, is linked up at coasttocoastam.com. It's there for you. And his books are still available. He's got, as he said, 39 out there right now. And you can find them all over the place, including Amazon and your favorite bookstores. He's uh, quite the guy, to be sure. For Dan Galanti, Gina Salvati, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Laudasur, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burrows, Tim Banal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett, I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.